Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. make you know amplify this amen amen i believe the lord has given me a word this morning uh and i'm going to start a message series i have tied to my message series here comes the dreamer here comes the dreamer and if you're wondering where that comes from that actually comes from um genesis 37 verse 19 that is how joseph's brother described him they were actually making fun of him they said here comes that dreamer all right so i'm going to be we're going to be studying the life of joseph uh probably over the next five six maybe eight weeks Uh, there's so much to unpack in the life of joseph so i'm going to go very quick into that because i believe uh, the Lord wants us to start his strong, go into it. I believe many, many people desperately need this word. The Lord has put this word in my heart almost since the beginning of the year to do a series on the life of Joseph. Uh, obviously, uh, other things have come along that we've had to attend to, but I just believe this is the time. I want to start by saying uh, 2020 is not done yet. All right, God is not done. It's not a lost year. Uh, many of us, uh, for many of us, God is actually digging your foundation. All right, you are building a great foundation. You remember we started the year that in order to go higher, you need to go deeper. Remember my first message actually talked about how we must go deep uh, in order to go high. Uh, Brother Roland, I think I'm going to need that. I'm actually going to move. <laughs> Sorry about that there. We're making some adjustment here. Uh, I don't mind to switch around a little bit. You want me to switch around, so I'm going to move around. All right? Thank you. God bless. So I'm going to move around a little bit. But I just want to... Uh, so the Lord gave us a word about going deeper, uh, and the purpose of going deeper is so that we can go higher. Amen. Uh, so we're going to get into that. But before I get into the message today, I just have a two announcements to make that I think, you know, why, why that I still have your attention, we should do that. Uh, we are, we've been talking about in-person worship. In-person worship is has been something we've been working about, for, I mean, on for many, many, many weeks now. Last week, the governor increased the limit to 100 people. Uh, So 100 people can now worship indoor. Uh, So by God's grace, we've been working about transitioning into being able to have 100 people come to service from July 26th. All right? Uh, So for some of you, I know you will be excited. Uh, So from July 26th, we will be able to open up the service to in-person worship. So it will be a combination of in-person worship and online worship. So that means we're going to be able to have 100 people here, uh, obviously, uh, uh, social distancing, 
uh, you know, the chairs will be arranged. There will be a lot of other things, uh, requirements. Uh, we will have to check your temperature before you come in at the entrance. We will issue all that, but at least save that date. July 26 will be the day where we will be able to open up for people who want to come. Now, one of the things that will have to happen is people will have to register. That's the only way. Don't forget that the 100 is a legal limit. So we don't have a choice. That is a legal limit that we have. So it will be up to us to ensure that we don't have 200 people here instead of 100, all right? Uh, So we are going to have a way for you to register, just like you register for events. So if you want to show up, you're going to register, and we're going to cap that registration so that we can know. So it would not just be open for anybody that who wants to show up to show up. You will have to register. So we're going to give more information about this. Uh, we're going to send email. We're going to put this on the website at least a week before. You will have all the information you need, and there will also be a phone number, I mean, an email address, rather, that you can email if you have any question. All right? That's it. Uh, the second thing, announcement I want to make has to do with our annual retreat. We sent out a survey, uh, you know, and overwhelmingly, many people want us to have some form of virtual retreat. All right? Uh, I know it's an oxymoron, virtual and retreat, uh, you know, but we, let's just call it retreat, all right? Because we don't need to make up another name, right? So... Uh, if it doesn't feel like retreat, that's fine. Just in your mind, you can, in your mind, you can call it Bible study, you can call it conference, you can call it gathering. Uh, but we are just calling it a virtual because we are replacing our retreat with a virtual time. Uh, and it's going to be, we're going to still have the content is going to be scaled down two and a half hours every day from seven to. Uh, 9.30 on Thursday and Friday, and we're talking about July 30th, 31st, and August 1st. So those days that were already earmarked for the retreat, we're going to have it. Uh, we're going to be able to have a breakdown session. We're going to have to have main session. It's going to be all virtual, uh, so you can uh, participate, and I trust that it will be a wonderful time. Amen and amen. Let us pray. So, Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your tender mercy. We thank you because your word is yea, your word is amen, your word is powerful, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word can pierce through the dividing asunder of the soul and of the spirit. Your word can touch, your word can heal, your word can revive, your word can perform miracles, your word can do more than what anyone can do. And I'm praying that you will speak your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. So this message series, I believe, is so powerful, and I trust that it will change many people's life. I've been working on this for many, many months, and I believe the story of the life of Joseph is probably one of the most riveting, one of the most exciting one of the most loaded stories in the Old Testament. He has a lot for us. Uh, there's so much truth. There's so much things that God has, you know, loaded in that story. 
There's so much spiritual truth, spiritual lessons that God has given us, that God has, you know, put in that story that really can change our lives when we understand it. There's so much truth, uh, you know, that is embedded in that story that I believe God wants us to learn. So I've themed this message, Here Comes the Dreamer. In fact, today, I am part one. We're going to call it, I am Joseph. I am Joseph. And I want you to say it. I am Joseph. I want to hear it from home. Say it so loud and I can hear it from home. I am Joseph. (laughs) Amen. Amen. The story is amazing. It's a story of dream and purpose. It's a story of pain. It's a story of promotion. It's a story of family drama. Family dysfunction, if you look at that story, uh, you know, you know, there's so much uh, dysfunction, how dysfunction a family, even a family of God can be. It's a story of betrayal. If you look at the life of Joseph, you see betrayal, you see jealousy, you see rage, you see evil that can happen in the heart of men. If you look at that story, those things you can see. It's a story of testing. Is a story of trial. Is a story of. It's also a story of character. Is a story of integrity. Is a story of the favor of God. Uh, is also a story of the sovereignty of God, of the faithfulness of God. Is a story of obedience. So many lessons you can just come. I mean, take out of that. That if God opened our eyes to learn this truth and lesson, it will be exciting. There's another thing about it. It's a story of forgiveness. It's a story of reconciliation. You know, and there's so many things. So that's why I said there's so many things we can really unpack from the life of Joseph that I believe God put there. You know, the Bible says all these things happen for our examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the age shall come. You know, these stories were, they happened so that we can learn and we can apply these lessons to our life and we can be blessed. So I believe that God is about to turn many lives around. God is about to revive many dreams. God is about to reset the course of many people's lives listening to me. God is about to do so many things as these truths are coming out. And I want you to not just, please don't just hold this message, share it. Share it with your friends. Let them listen because I believe God has a word for many people that are listening now and that are going to listen to this message in future. Now, Joseph himself is a type of Christ. If you look at the life of Joseph, Joseph is a type, a type you know, there's a story, you know, in, the, in, the, in theology, it's called typology or it's called Christology. And a Christology simply believes that Christ is embedded in every story of the scripture. That every figure in the scripture, 
every character, in fact, every, almost every object in the scripture, really, is talking about Christ. You remember the Bible talks about the rock, the rock that followed them, or the rock that gave them water in the wilderness. The Bible says that rock was Christ. Moses is a type of Christ. Abraham is a type of Christ. I mean, Joseph, remarkably, is really a type of Christ. He's a type of Jesus. You can look at Joseph and see Jesus, you know, a shadow of him. You know, not perfectly, but you can see a shadow of him because the Bible says they are all shadows of things to come. If you look at Joseph, one of the things you, one of the first thing about Joseph we learn about him is, he is the object of his father's love. Joseph is, you know, is the person the father loves the most. You know, in fact, the Bible says because he was a child of his old age, right? The father, Israel, loved him so much and bought him a robe of many colors. The father loved him so much, his brother became very jealous of him. And the same thing is about Jesus. The Bible says he's the only begotten son of the father. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible described Jesus. It said, you have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, the Lord thy God has anointed you with a oil of gladness above all your fellows. So you see that similarity there. And if you go through the life of Joseph, you will be amazed how similar those people are. Joseph was envied. He was a subject of envy by his own brother. He was hated. You know, envied and hated without a cause. And the same thing with Jesus. He was envied and hated without a cause. In fact, in Matthew 27 verse 18, the Bible says, Pilate knew Jesus was brought before him because of envy. Pilate knew that was because the Jewish, uh, the, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrins, the leaders, the reason why they really brought Jesus was because of envy. So you can see the similarity there. He was envied and hated without a cause. The same thing with Jesus. Also, Jesus, I mean, Joseph was rejected by his own brethren. Right, his own brothers rejected him. The same thing with Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 11. The Bible says he came to his own, right? His own received him not. That is, his own people rejected him. So, you see that similarity there. Another thing you see about Joseph Joseph was stripped of his robe when his brother captured him, took him and put him. One of the first things they took from him was his robe, you know. And the same thing about Jesus, they took his robe. In fact, the Bible says the soldiers casted a lot on his robe. So you see that similarity there? He was stripped of his robe. Jesus was stripped of his robe. He was delivered up to the Gentile. You know, Joseph was actually sold to the Gentile. You know, that's, he was sold to, 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 the, to an Egyptian. You know, the Gentile. The same thing with Jesus. He was delivered up to, you know, Pilate, you know, the, the Gentile, the Roman. The people who actually killed Jesus were the Roman soldiers, all right? So the Jews gave him up. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver, right? Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. You can see similarity there. One sold for 20 pieces of silver, another for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph became a preserver of his family. Eventually, Joseph became the person that preserved his own family. The same thing with Jesus. Jesus became 
our deliverer and our savior. Another thing you will see about Joseph, Joseph forgave his brothers, you know, because of what they did to him, right? In fact, in, I believe in Genesis chapter 50, one of the remarkable, most, at least the one I love most, statement made by Joseph is, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they were doing. So both of them forgave people who really betrayed them. So you see that similarity there. Joseph was a shadow of Jesus. It was Jesus in a snippet, a snippet of Jesus before Jesus actually came. In fact, Jesus actually came from the lineage of Joseph. You know, Joseph, you know, Joseph is the great-grandson of Abraham. He's the son of Isaac. Isaac is the son of Jacob. Uh, uh, I mean, he's the son of uh, Isaac. Isaac, son of Jacob. Uh, sorry, sorry. Son of Jacob, Jacob, Isaac, Isaac, Abraham. All right? So the lineage of Joseph is the one that eventually produced Jesus Christ. So there's such a similarity, and that's why that story is so powerful. That story is so strategic. That story has a lot of spiritual significance that I believe is very, very, very important for us to learn. Now, there's another thing we learn from the scripture. The Bible says we are also Jesus, all right? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, as he is, so we are in this world. So Jesus, you know, we actually, we are a representation of Jesus. Jesus stands for many of us. We are Jesus walking around in this world. Now, so that means in some ways, we are actually Joseph. That's why I had tied to, I started this by saying, I am Joseph. I want you to look at yourself and know that everything about the life of Joseph is actually a some representation of our life. And we can draw a lot of inspiration from how the life of Joseph played out. We can draw a lot of parallel. In fact, if you can draw a lot of inspiration from the life of Joseph, you're going to make a lot of right decisions in your life. You know, you're going to be able to really fulfill your dream, fulfill your purpose in life if you can draw inspiration and react to things the way Joseph reacts to things. Hallelujah. So today I'm going to talk about seven ways we are all Josephs. All right? So I'm going to draw a parallel so that you can walk this journey with me. We're going to talk about dreams and visions in future. We're going to talk about the process your dreams and visions must go through. We're going to talk about betrayal. We're going to talk about how to deal with that. We're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk about favor. Because Joseph was a person that carried the favor of God everywhere he went. We're going to talk about all these things because I believe strongly that there is such a grace that God is about to release in so many of us, a grace to fulfill our dreams and purpose, to fulfill God's plan and agenda for our life that is going to be released through this message as we go over the next several weeks. So we are Joseph. You are Joseph. How are you like Joseph? I'm going to give you seven ways. Joseph is the beloved of the father, just like Joseph. 
you are also the beloved of the Father. You are object of God's special love. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That is God speaking to us. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. I have loved you with an everlasting love. It is amazing to me how powerful this revelation is. It's amazing to me just knowing your love unconditionally. I was preaching, I was speaking to one of our sisters yesterday. Was, yesterday was remarkable. You know, one of our sisters who's been around for a while, she's listening to me, I, I, I'm sure. You know, texted me after Friday, after Friday and said, you know, I have not received the Holy Spirit. Obviously, she's been prayed for several times. She's been a member of our church now almost 10 years, at least 10 years. So over the period of 10 years, she's been prayed for several times. I would say maybe 10, 20 times to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she hasn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She texted me after Friday outpouring to say, I have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I would like to, really, since you said we can contact you, I want to receive the Holy Spirit. And as she was talking, she said, you know, I have been really walking in a part of God. I have been doing what I'm supposed to do. As I read the text message, something told me, I think you need to just tell her about the love of the Father. So I said, you know, we're going to, let's do a Zoom, I mean, let's do a Google Meet call, let's do a video call. So we did a video call yesterday, and the only thing I told her at the beginning is, look, you don't need to work for the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, the gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift. It's a gift of love. And I quoted from uh, Luke, that's Luke 13, that says, How, if you are evil, knows how to give a good gift to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father, you know, give good gift? I said, look, there is no parent that will make food a, a condition to your child. I mean, no matter how bad your child is, right? I mean, your child can be whatever, but you're not going to say, I'm going to feed you if you act right. And that's what the Bible says. So I say, you know, I want you to know that the Lord loves you. The Lord cares for you, you know. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is not something you get because you are doing so good. You have been so great lately. You have been praying lately. You have been doing what you are. You have been a good girl, a good boy. You know, all these things. Those are, those are ways. After I share that message, I say, I am going to pray for you over this video. And I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit will touch you. As I began to pray, I don't believe I prayed for 10 seconds. She received the baptism of the Holy Spirit right there yesterday. And was, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit just on the phone. Now, what changed that is just knowing the love of the Father. Many of us, I think many believers still struggle from this. I think the enemy still try to say, you know what? I don't think God loves you so much today. I don't think, you know, I think we think that it's like a scale that goes up and down. And you know why? As long as we feel that way, you know, we will struggle from really enjoying the favor of God. From living the life of God. That God wants us to live. We become legalistic. We're not able to receive the power of God. We're not able to receive the spirit of God. We're not able to receive the anointing of God. That allows us to live a life that God wants us to live. We must know like Joseph. We are the object of the father's love. You look at Genesis chapter 37 verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. 
because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. Forget about more than all his children. Just say, the Lord loves me. All right? He loves me. You know, I, I'm not worrying about whether he loves other people more. I just know he loves me unconditionally. I just know he not only loves me. You know what I, I mean, God, God started giving me this, that I need to say he's not just love, he actually likes me. All right? The Lord loves you. He likes you. He's interested in you. He's excited about you. He's excited about your future. He's excited about your, your purpose. The Bible says even the very ears of your head, they are numbered. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. He's not trying to get you down. He's not trying to hound you down. He's not trying to find your fault. He's not, he's not a fault finder. He's not trying to just trip you up. He's not trying to shout you down. No, God is trying to love you. In fact, the Bible says even when the Lord corrects, us, he corrects us out of his love. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects, he chastises. You know, so just like Joseph, we are the object of the Father's love. That's number one. Number two, like Joseph, we all have dreams. We all have dreams. Your dream is God's vision, purpose, and aspiration for you. Your dream is actually God's agenda for you that is communicated to you. You see, some of us, yes, it doesn't have to be you sleep, you are the dream. Your dream is what God put in your heart. Jeremiah 29, 11, the Lord says, I know the thought that I have towards you. All right? The thought that I think towards you. How amazing is that, that God is thinking towards me? You know, God is thinking about me. God is thinking some thought about me. In fact, those thoughts, the Bible says they cannot, they, they are, they are, they cannot be numbered. God has so many thoughts. They, you know, I mean, so many things. He has a plan. You know, just like we have plans for our children. You know, many of us are parents. You have so many plans. Some of the things you could never achieve in your own life. Some of the things you wish you did. You know, sometimes you just want your children to fulfill all those things. You're thinking, yo, you will be this. You will be a doctor. You'll be a lawyer. You'll be the president. You will be this. You'll be that. And the kids are like, how do you know I want to be that? What's your, what, what, well, how do you know I even like that? You know, but God is, you know, we do it, obviously, as parents because that's what good parents do. You know, there's no parent that think you're going to find yourself in jail one day. You're going to be a, you know, you're going to be a homeless guy. No rational parent have those thoughts. Have you noticed your parents always have bigger thoughts for you than you have? You know, but God is our heavenly father. He has thought. The only thing is his own thought is accurate, and his own thought can be backed up by his power. Hallelujah. By his ability, by his grace, by his resources. God, said, God says, I know the thought I think towards you, says the Lord, thought of peace and not of evil, to bring you a future and a hope. To bring you a future. So your, the thought of God is about your future. The thought of God is about hope. The thought of God is good. Hallelujah. Now when those thoughts are communicated to our heart, that becomes our dream. Hallelujah. That becomes our dream. In Proverbs 20 verse 5, 
Proverbs 20, verse 5. The Bible says, purposes of a heart, a person's heart, are deep waters. But one who has insight draws them out. Did you see that? Purposes in a person's heart, they are like deep water. You see, the way you know your dream, they are deep inside of you. They are strong desire that are so deep inside of you. Unfortunately, many of us don't have the insight to draw them out. He says only people with insight, only people with wisdom, only people who care. Unfortunately, very few people go that deep into their heart. There are some of you, there is so deep in the depth of your heart are certain dreams, dreams of businesses, dreams of cooperation, dreams of ministries, you know, dreams of, uh, you know, doing many things that God has put in your heart, you know, professional dreams, family dreams, all kinds of dreams that God has put in your heart. They are deep. They require an application of insight. They they require us to be able to draw them out. You see, great things are always in the depth of the earth. Have you noticed that most resources, you know, there's something in petroleum, they call them a deep sea drilling. I mean, you see, have you noticed in the depth of the sea, down at the bottom, below the bottom, oil come out, you know? And look at the effort that people take, you know, first of all, to do exploration, you know, to explore, to find it, then to come up with machines that are going to go into the depth of the earth and just begin to bring them out. What many of us need to do is to be, do that to our, our soul, our heart, examine what are those desires, you know, there. What are those sanctified desires that God has put in your heart? They are bigger. They are usually greater than what you can imagine yourself. Many of us, life talks us out of our dream. Some of us, life negotiates downward our dream. Some of, many of us, our, our dream becomes zoom out. You know how you zoom things in word, right? You zoom it in, you zoom it out. That is sometimes how our dream go, right? We zoom them because we can't see the possibility of it. We have not renewed our mind to be able to agree with God. We have not done a great job of disciplining ourselves to be able to see ourselves in the light of what God has for us. The purpose of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight can draw them out. I command you in the name of Jesus. I release the favor of God. I release the power of God over your life to draw out those dreams, to draw out those purposes that are buried, that are deep down in your heart. I release the grace. I release the power to be able to begin to steer them out and steer them and draw them out in the mighty name of Jesus. Sometimes the Lord had to use pressure to bring to bring them out. Sometimes the Lord has to use insight, knowledge. Somebody giving you, like I'm preaching now, some people are feeling like you want to jump out of the chair. Some people are feeling, wow, this is for me, this is for me. That is God trying to draw out those purposes in your heart. Like Joseph, we all have dreams. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. And also like Joseph, number three, our dreams carry eternal significance. You see, the ultimate purpose 
of Joseph's dream was not just about him. It's amazing when you look at uh, Genesis 37, if you're wondering, by the way, you have to go several chapters, about 20 chapters, to cover the life of Joseph. But it starts from Genesis 37. That's when it begins. All right? You know, when you read Genesis 37, one of the things you see about Joseph is Joseph started out thinking the dream was about him. That's what he started out. <laughs> so, he, so he said to his brothers, you know, hear this dream, which I have dreamed. You know, they were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheep arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood around and bowed down to my sheep. Then he, you know, gave another dream. I saw all of you bowing down. And the brothers, so the brothers, you know, obviously the brothers got jealous. Now, the one thing is they never liked Joseph from day one. All right? So his brothers were messed up, jacked up kind of brothers. I mean, that you don't want to have, you know. I mean, they, they never liked. I mean, he was the youngest. He was loved by the father. He, I mean, and they hated him from day one. Just imagine you come in the midst of brothers who just never liked you from day one. So now he begins, he begins to share, share his dream. He begins to, I mean, these are not his dream, that dream that he came up with. These are things that God gave to him. He begins to share it. The Bible says they hated him the more. You know, but originally Joseph thinks his dream is about him. You know, but if you go to Genesis chapter 50, at this time, because this started at the age of 17, when this whole story started, Joseph was 17 when he began to, when he begins to have, have these dreams. In Genesis 20, now he's an older person. Now he's a prime, you know, prime minister in Egypt. Look at what he said in verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see that? The dream of Joseph, Joseph even now had no idea there was such a significance to it. I think many times, the reason many, many of us don't really give our dream our all is because we don't see that there is such a significance to our dream. We don't see, we don't understand, you know, your dream, you know, in, ca- in the case of Joseph, the survivor of a whole nation depends on the dream of a 17-year-old boy. Can you imagine that? You know, whether Israel was going to survive famine or not, whether the plan and purpose of God. Now, before Joseph was ever born, God told Abraham, Abraham, you're going to have children. You're going to have a child. That child is going to have children. Your descendants are going to go to Egypt. They're going to be there for 430 years, and I'm going to raise them. I'm going to deliver them. I'm going to take them to their own nation. These were spoken thousands of years before Joseph was even born. Now, God takes Joseph. He begins to give him this dream. This dream is connected to God's purpose. Many of us, what we don't understand is the dream that God is putting in your heart, the desires that God is putting in your heart, you know, those visions and dreams that God has put in your heart, they have eternal significance. We just don't know. You know, we just think it's, a, you just think it's about little old me, it's about me, it's about me, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. No, 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 no. I think we must really be serious about this dream that God is putting in our heart. Hallelujah. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, the Bible says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. 
Hallelujah. He has also set eternity in human heart. Can you see that? Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning of the heart. You see, there is eternity in your heart. Your dream has eternity. Your dream is connected to the plan of God. Hallelujah. You know, we all have a piece of it, but your dream has a very huge significance. And that is why you must give your dream your all. That is why you must spend your life pursuing. That's why you must beware of distractions. You must beware of things that are going on in your life, trying to take your energy away from your dream, trying to talk you out of your dream. You must refuse all that reject that and go to God and release your life to God and say, God, I am ready to do everything to fulfill the dream that you are placed in my heart. Hallelujah. The survivor of many rests on your dream. For some of us, the, the, the expansion of the kingdom rests on your dream. For some of us, the salvation of some people in the ends of the earth rests on your dream. For some of us, you know, so so many things, your dreams, you know, your generations to come, you know, you know, what they become rests on your dream. You see, over the last one year or so, the Lord has been giving me a fresh perspective. It's been even about this church, about you need to begin to think of this church after you are gone. You know, you need to begin to think. You're not going to be there forever. You know, it's been 14 years now. It will be 25 years. You know, you know, one day I'm not, I'm going to have to retire. I'm so sorry to disappoint some of you. I'm going to retire someday. And I'm already thinking of it, by the way. Hallelujah. I'm already thinking of it. But you know, the more I think like that, the more I want to give myself more. Because I'm thinking, wow, this is not just about my little thing here. This is about what many, many lives, all right? This, this is about our children. This is about our youth, you know? This is about many lives that this we touch. I want this church to be around a hundred years from now, still be, a, you know, you know we still touching millions of people. I want this church to be around if Jesus starts 200 years from now and people can look at history. It was started by this person. It was handed over to this person. It was handed over to this person and is now touching lives all over the world. I mean, I want that. I mean, that God is not that short-sighted that he's just only thinking about, you know, Jide Lawore, you know, short lifespan on earth, whatever it is, 80, 90, whatever that, you know, then he stops, you know. God is not, God is far more. You know, look at the people we read about. Look at, look at that. You know, like yesterday we were watching Armington. You know, the, 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 I mean, I mean, this is, uh, it's, it's just remarkable that people are able to reenact some of these things that people were discussing more than 200 years ago. I mean, right? 250 years ago, you know, the founding fathers, how they were fighting over this. They were arguing in Congress. Those people are long gone. But you see, the work they did is here. 
the America they created. And it's amazing that they actually were really creating a unique nation. They, they had it in their own mind. I mean, this, there was a lot of argument about what kind of nation must it be? How must it be fashioned? You know, the Federalist, the this, you know, the, you know, the guy wrote 51 of the 81 articles. He lived only 47 years old, you know, but he spent all his time writing these articles that was going to make the foundation of a country that we all enjoy today. How about if we think like that? I think, I think we will give our dream a lot more attention, a lot more respect, a lot more regard, and I think we will give our life our best. Praise the name of Jesus. So like Joseph, our dream carries eternal significance. Number four, like Joseph, you see, your dream will offend some people. Now we are getting to the, di- the difficult part. Right? We are getting from the high now, going back to oh, 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 oh. Your dream will offend some people. Not everyone will understand your dream. Not everyone will support your dream. Not everyone will get behind your dream. Even your own brothers and sisters, even sometimes your own people, even sometimes your own pastor might not understand your dream, might not, might just think this is too difficult, it's too weird, this is too out there, this is too outlandish, this is too whatever, what is this? Sometimes people that you, I mean, if you have a dream, who else will you think will give you the best support? Isn't that your family? I mean, some of us even start business knowing that I have a big family. They will, they will buy something from me, right? Some, some people start a business. Start a restaurant. They say, you know, my family is so big. My extended family, if they all eat in my restaurant, at least I will start something before we go out there. You know, you better not start business because of that. Hallelujah. Now, but look at his own. His own brothers, you know, did not. Look at Genesis chapter 37, verse 3 and 4. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. They could not, I mean, they, they you see how... So, he grew up in a tensed environment. I mean, so the things became tense. Every conversation became, what do you think you are? Who you are? What does? You're proud. You're that. Every conversation was mean. He was being bullied by his own brothers, 11 of them in total. Can you, can you just imagine that? I mean, so he, he, they, 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 they could not even talk to him in a peaceable way. Look at verse 5. Now, Joseph had a dream. He told it to his brothers. And they hated him even more. I mean, so the level of hatred that he, you know, maybe he thought it was a joke before. Maybe he thought it was just, you know, uh, brothers just fighting, brothers just having all these things, you know, and he didn't think too much. He didn't think it was that bad. He, began, he begins to share his dream. Work out. They hated him even more. Let's go to verse 8. He continued to share the dream again, and they hated him all the more. You see? The more he shares his dream, the greater the level of hatred becomes. They hated him because of his dream and because of his words. 
You know, so the level of hatred increased. Some people will not will be offended by your dream. It will not just be they won't support it. They can be offended by your dream. But that shouldn't stop your dream. Sometimes, many of us, because people are offended by our dream, because our dream will make some people uncomfortable, because your dream will make someone not, you know, we just shut down. Some of us, you know, you have some setback and you are pulled back on your dream. For there are some people listening to me now, you have pulled back on your dream because you met some resistance from people that you respect, from people you expect to support you. You have just pulled back. And the Lord is asking me to tell you to go back to your dream. Go and revisit it. That dream is from God. And the Lord is calling you to revisit your dream. Don't give up on your dream because of resistance. The most important thing to ask yourself is, is this dream from God? Go back to God. Go back to God and say, God, is this from you? Is this dream from you? Confirm it. Confirm it. Go to your closet and do five, seven days of fasting and prayer and say, God, I need you to confirm, is this dream from you? That's all you need. It doesn't matter. The Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? The only thing that need to, you need to know is this is from God. So, like Joseph, your dream will offend some people. Number five, like Joseph, the enemy will attack your dream. The enemy will attack your dream. You know, there are a lot of spirits that the enemy sends to destroy our dream. And we're going to talk about some of them. The spirit of rejection. Joseph faced the spirit of rejection. Number two, the spirit of death. They actually plotted to kill him. That is the spirit of death. You know, his brother, one of his brothers, you know, just took over, you know, and rescued him. But dreams and dreamers, we always face the spirit of death. The devil comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. The spirit of death, we attack, we like to attack your dream. All right? The spirit, you know, the spirit of envy and jealousy, you know, that's what he faced. You know, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, the Bible says jealousy is like a cancer in the bone. Jealousy can be dangerous. You know, some of us, you have been victim of jealousy, envy, jealousy from people who just don't like your, you don't like your, some of us are going through that now. You are, you are pursuing your dream, but there are spirits of jealousy surrounding you, trying to destroy what God is doing in your life. Praise the name of Jesus. And I declare, I decree, the Lord will protect your dream against every spirit of death, every spirit of envy, and every spirit of jealousy in the mighty name of Jesus. Songs of Solomon chapter 8 verse 6, the Bible says, Jealousy is like an unyielding grave. You see, jealousy can destroy families. Jealousy can rip church apart. Jealousy can destroy friendship. Jealousy is a dangerous spirit that the enemy set out to destroy dreams. That your dream will survive in Jesus' name and will thrive. The spirit of betrayal. 
you know, sometimes we get betrayed by people we love, you know, because of our dream. And one thing about betrayer, betrayer always leads to bitterness. And bitterness always hinders the work of God. So if you have been betrayed, one of the things you need to be careful about is not to allow your betrayer to become bitterness. Because that is always the pattern. You are betrayed, you become bitter, you become bitter, you stifle the work of God in your life. The spirit of conspiracy. When people actually gather together and they say we're going to ensure in the spirit. The kingdom of darkness gather together and they conspire to stop what God is doing, to stop your dream. They will use some people, but you as a child of God must stand your ground and go on your knee to ward off every evil spirit. Another thing that, David, uh, that Joseph faced is the spirit of delay and denial. It's a spirit of delay. Joseph's dream was delayed. Every time he came close to fulfilling his dream, something happened and set him on a tangent. Every time he came close to what God, and some of us, you face that. Every time you are close to breakthrough, you think this is breakthrough, something happened and set you on a tangent, set you backward. There are a lot of spirits that the enemy assigns, and we all face it. It is because we are Joseph. It is because just like Joseph, your dream is being attacked. Number six, just like Joseph, your dream will face that will test your character. You see, the one thing about Joseph, he passed the test. You see, his character was tested. His ability, his holiness was tested. He was tempted, you know, by Potiphar's wife. And he said, how can I do these wicked things and sin against God in Genesis 39 verse 9? You know, he was tempted every way. In Potiphar's house, he was faithful. In prison, he was tested. His character was tested. The dream, the dream was tested. Hallelujah. And he passed the test. The Bible even says in Psalm 105, the word of the Lord tried Joseph. The word of the Lord tried him, tested him. Some of us, you are being tested right now. You carry a dream, you're going around with dream, and God is testing you. Things going around you, they are like tests that the Lord is putting on you. And I pray for grace, for favor over you to pass the test. In the mighty name of Jesus, you will pass the test and you will fulfill your dreams and visions in the name of Jesus. Lastly, just like Joseph, forgiveness is key to your success. You see, Joseph must forgive his brothers. And Joseph knew that. And it was difficult. You see, when you read in Genesis chapter 50, when his brothers came to him, they didn't know it was Joseph. He knew it was them. And when they recounted the story, he asked about this. He asked about them. He asked about their father. They told him the father is old. He asked about their brother, Reuben. He did all these things. Joseph gave over. He became overwhelmed. He went to cry. He actually went inside the room he cried his heart out, cried himself, you know, after crying for a while, washed his face, you know, and came back. You know, it was a difficult thing. Eventually, he revealed himself and he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I want to declare about your life. Everything the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it for good. 
everything the enemy meant for evil, every plot of the enemy, every attack of the enemy, every, you know, conniving of the enemy against your life, against your purpose, against your destiny, the Lord is turning them around for good in the mighty name of Jesus. Every trap that is set before you to chip you up, you know, will trip you into your purpose. It will further your destiny and your purpose in the mighty name of Jesus. Just like Joseph, forgiveness is key. So we are Joseph. I want you to say, I am Joseph. I am the dreamer. I am the dreamer. And the Lord will empower you to fulfill your dream in Jesus.